The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. Remember the last time we told you not to feed them after midnight. We told you to keep them away from the light. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. They're mutating. Yeah. Sir, is the building on fire? No, no, that's a false alarm. Uh, are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Gremlins 2. The new batch. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm Jimbo. And I'm your co-host, Kyle. Kyle, today we'll be uh, diving into uh, seldom talked about uh, episodes on our podcast sequels. Sequels. Uh, we got this one, and we got one next week too. So, but this one we chose Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Uh, be episode one forty nine. It's from nineteen ninety. Kyle, were you born yet? Right around this time, were you? I was born three years later. <laughs> Man, I am really I'm getting just old. a baby. But, but Kyle, before we get started, are you ready for the question of the episode? I was born three years later, Jimbo. Ready, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. What gremlin in this movie? There's a lot of gremlins, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shout out to Warner the Brothers gremlin, movies. Obviously, no, 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 no. There's a lot okay. of shout outs to different Warner Brothers movies throughout the years by the gremlins. Yes, Kyle, what gremlin would you like to see based from a Warner Brother movie over the years that was not in oh, this movie? Warner Brother movie. Let me just throw out oh. some some names to you and see mm-hmm. the Meg, the Meg. <laughs> King Kong was one. Um, Interstellar, you know, there's just uh, 
You got Sully. We can have the, the airplane coming out in the water. And just gremlins coming out of the, the river. I have a plane. Gremlins in a plane. There was a movie about that. I got to look. Oh, I think it's. No, it's not Walking the Clouds. I got to look it up now. Um, uh, the Last Samurai. Can you imagine a gremlin samurai, with a samurai costume? The Lego on? movie with all gremlins. Uh, Shazam. I think gremlins were in the Lego movie, actually. I remember correctly. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, the Joker. Uh, the Green Mile. You know, there's just. The Green Mile. <laughs> <laughs> Dead oh. Gremlin walking. Uh, the Lost Boys. <laughs> Vampire. That's terrible. I love it. The Hangover. I have one of them with a tattoo on his face. <laughs> Has Mike Tyson on a leash or yeah. something. Can you want donkey the teeth? <laughs> well, that's who you would be if you were in this. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Suicide Squad. There's another movie about gremlins, but not these gremlins. It's Shadow in the Cloud with Chloe Moretz, where uh, uh, it's a World War II movie that gets attacked by planes. Like 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 Dick Miller says in the movie, there's gremlins inside the plane that try to destroy it. It's a great movie. <laughs> so here's a few more before we rewrap this up. But there was uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The Oompa Loompas could be oh gremlins. How funny would that be? Uh, Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks. <laughs> Mars Attacks versus the brain versus oh, the gremlins. Man, that's a great. That's a great that's crossover. A, that's a movie you can make today. Mars Attacks versus Gremlins. I we'll we'll leave with this one. Scooby Doo. Okay, Scooby-Doo. so I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you. Meddling, trying to tear off his mask, but it's a Gremlin, so he just tears off his head. Oh no! <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> so yeah, so Kyle. Uh, Gosh, yeah, the so. Gremlins would have a field day with Scooby Doo. Are we kidding? That should already exist. Why does it exist? Let's go ahead and, and say this before we dive too far in there. There was uh, talks about Gremlins three, um, even the script already being done. And mm-hmm. when Kyle was looking it up, it said something about being released later this year. Yeah, I don't um, think that's going that's to happen. That's not going to happen this year. No, no, yeah. but. I know they have that Mogwai, the, uh, the Secrets of the Mogwai, yeah, HBO, HBO Max cartoon, thing, whatever. Yeah, which I have not watched. Eh, I haven't either. But um, would you be opposed to a Gremlins three? And if they did, would you want it to be computer generated Gremlins, or would you still like the old puppetry? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not against computer animated in, in most facets. I think like definitely this is a film where practical effects would always triumph uh, over digital effects, but like. If they made a compelling argument saying, like, hey, we can do it really, really well and we're going to do more crazy stuff there, or like a mixture would also be probably the best case scenario because I'm sure you want gremlins to do more wacky things that you couldn't do with practical effects, really. Um, so, um, in terms of practical and digital effects, that's on the, that's whatever the director and makes of the film want to decide. Um, in terms of the movie should ever be made, probably not. Um, I think, like, if, if there was a Gremlins 3 directly after Gremlins 2, back in the 90s and it just came out immediately and it was a fun, t- good ride back then, I'd be totally happy with it. But doing a sequel now just feels icky. It feels like the same kind of like legacy sequel kind of garbage we're getting right now with the past few years with like we're getting like a, you know, the Saw, like the, not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel and like a Halloween reboot kind of thing was like, it's okay, but... I don't really want it. <laughs> well, I heard so uh, I heard Gizmo that. was against it because they didn't want AI to de-age him because he's now got gray hair. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. So. laughs> like, what if he's just really big? Like, just Warwick Davis has to play Gizmo now? <laughs> Time for tough. <laughs> That would be hilarious if, like, Gizmo were like, you just grew into an adult. What's an adult-sized Gizmo? And they have anti-sized. Godzilla size. We've already derailed Gremlins. This is why we don't do sequels. No, but go ahead. Take it away, Kyle. All right, Gizmo. I'll take it away from you. All right, we have Gremlins. Grimbo? I call it Grimbo. This is the rest of the podcast for sure, Grimbo. (laughs) 
Gremlins 2, the new batch. She can feed me after midnight. (laughs) Released. Grimbo. Gush. Grimbo, first blood part two. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. You can make it, Gremlins 2, the new batch, released on June 15th of 1990. Directed by the legendary Joe Dante. Director of the first film, Gremlins 1, in 1984. Also, The Howling, 1981. Inner Space, 1987. And one of my personal favorites, Small Soldiers, in 1998. Writers of the film include Charles S. Haas um, and Chris Columbus, based on the characters created by Chris Columbus, anyways. Chris Columbus did the first script for the first movie, and then Charles S. Haas did the sequel script, I guess. Um, producer of the film was Michael Finwell, uh, Finnell. Composer was legendary Jerry Goldsmith. Cinematographer was John Hora. And editor was Kent Beta. Casting directors were Glenn Daniels and Marion Doherty. And production designer was James H. Spencer. Hey. Yes. Jimmy. You know the, the casting director there? Mm-hmm. What was the name? Glenn Daniels and Marion Doherty. No, no. The casting director was a beta? It was Glenn Daniels for it the was, casting director. It was the beta. Uh, oh, oh, editor with Kent Beta. Beta? Yeah. B-E-Y-D-A. You know, you know why he was the only editor? Why? Because you put two betas together they kill each other. <laughs> you know, I mean, just like, I, I, like really, I was like, hiring that editor must have killed VHS sales. VHS sales. <laughs> <laughs> For the Beta Max. Beta Max. So that we've somehow... This podcast is going to get really dumb. We're going to lose. Well, it's Gremlins too, man. It doesn't get much crazier Movie than enough. this. <laughs> Budget of the film was a whopping fifty million dollars <laughs> in 1990. Um, it'd be worth about approximately 116.3 million dollars today. So that's pretty. That's pretty hefty for the time, and uh, pretty modest today. Now, my movie's over like half a billion dollars now, and have to make you know a billion dollars make me profitable. Opening weekend, it brought in only $9.7 million, unfortunately, which would be around $22.5 million today. And then gross worldwide, it made about $41.4 million, which would be worth the equivalent of like $96.5 million today. So unfortunately, this movie, like, eh, on box office alone, it, you know, just barely broke even or probably came in under with marketing and stuff like that, too. So, like, really, those kind of aspects of the film. This one probably lost money at the box office. But um, I also can jump out a little bit before you start the pouring podcast about this. Given that it's the 90s, I bet this film made a killing on VHS sales and merchandise entirely, I'm sure. So I'm sure this film made plenty of money, which is why they're still kicking around the idea of like Gremlins 3, you know, 30-some-odd years later. I mean, if we can have a fifth Indiana Jones, surely we can get a Gremlins 3 out of this at some point. But should we have had a fifth Indiana Jones? It's really good. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. You yeah. didn't even see it, I so don't seen say it it's just okay. I, I've, I've seen the reviews. It's bombing. I've seen it twice. I don't think anyone was actually asking for a fifth Indiana Jones movie. I want a sixth one now. <laughs> How old does Harrison Ford have to be before you let him die? <laughs> We're going to let him live forever with AI, man. Okay, okay. Kyle, you're about ready to take up the whip. Oh, boy. Okay. Awards for this film. This film has five nominations here from the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films in the United States of America in 91, where it was nominated for Best Fantasy Film, Best Supporting Actor for John Glover, Best Supporting Actor for Robert Picardo, and Best Director for Joe Dante, and then finally nominated for Best Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Technical details of the film. This has a runtime of 106 minutes. Sound mix, uh, sound mix was done by the RCA Sound Recording System and the Dolby SR Surround Sound System for um, home video releases and uh, the theatrical releases. This is a color film. 
Aspect ratio was a standard 1.85 by 1. Cameras used were the Airflex 35.3, Canon K35, and Cook, uh, ooh boy, um, Vero Pantro lenses. Movie Cam Super America, and the Canon 35 and Cook Vandro lenses once again. So, interesting camera. I've never seen that one mentioned before in our previous movies. Maybe it was a custom camera for the set. I have no idea. And then, of course, this was laboratory formatted in Technicolor Hollywood and has a 35mm print. Cool. Um, let's see here. Some other production status thing. Um, nope, I think we're ready to move on to the cast notes, actually. And the cast here is insane, Grimbo. That's I'm not right. stopping that. It's Grimbo the whole way. <laughs> that's, all, that's all right. Kowalgly. <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Grimbo does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you understand. Anyways, we have, of course, Howie Mandel reprising his role as Gizmo once again. Howie Mandel, of course, um, best known perhaps for his uh, being the host of the game show Deal or No Deal from 2005-2019. And also as the voice, uh, one of the voice actors in Bobby's World from 1990 to 1998. Next up, we have Tony Randall being the voice of the Brain Gremlin. <laughs> Man, was he um, good or was he good? Tony Randall was incredible. Um, I mean, as a kid and even watching it last night, actually, for this podcast, I thought it was Kelsey Grammer at first. It wasn't until I looked it up. I was just like, it's a legendary Tony Randall. Oh, my gosh. Um, Tony Randall, of course, also an amazing film and television actor. He was on The Odd Couple from 1970 to 1975 and the film Pillow Talk. Next up, we have Zach Galligan playing the character of Billy, reprising his role from Gremlins 1. Um, Zach Galligan was also in the film Waxwork 1 and 2 from 1988 and 1992, respectively. Then next up, we have Phoebe Cates reprising her role as Kate Berenger. Phoebe Cates was also in the film's course of Fast Times Richmond High in 1982, Drop Dead Fred in 1991, and Private School in 1983. Then next up we have John Glover playing the CEO, Daniel Clamp. John Glover was uh, perhaps best known for his role as Lex Luthor in the Superman TV show Smallville. Lionel Luthor, not Lex Luthor. Oh, that's right. right. Lionel, his father. Yes. That's my bad. It's a slip there. Um, Lionel Luthor, um, Lex Luthor's father in the Superman television show Smallville from 2001 to 2011. I can't believe I messed that up. Oh, shame myself. And he was also in Scrooged in 1988 with Bill Murray. So, excellent actor right there. Um, he um, And next up, we have Robert Prosky, basically playing the character of Grandpa Fred, who's basically Jimbo in the film. If you want an idea how Jimbo talks and how he sounds, it's basically his Grandpa Fred in this film. <laughs> all the old movies are black and white. All the good ones, ah, back in my day. It's true. <laughs> um, I'll bring Rob- no War of the Worlds for you. <laughs> the Day the Earth Stood Still. The Day the Earth Stood Still, you're right, you're right. I'm just as bad, you're right. Robert Prosky was also in the films Thief in 1981. Far and Away in 1992, and Christine in 1983. Next up, we have Robert Ricardo playing the role of Forster. Uh, Robert Ricardo was, of course, best known for as his best known for his role as the Doctor in the Star Trek Voyager television <laughs> series, holographic Doctor, the EMS program. <laughs> Why does nobody ever shut off my yeah. program when they're done? Yes, <laughs> the EMS Doctor in the Star Trek Voyager from 1995 to 2001, and he was also in the films Explorers in 1985. Then next up, we have the legendary Christopher Lee playing Dr. Catheter. <laughs> Great name. Dr. Catheter. Just paints such a vivid image. I didn't realize that until we were doing the past list. I was like, oh, that's his name. <laughs> 
Christopher Lee, also, of course, best known as Count Dracula in the Horror of Dracula and many other Dracula films. Saruman in the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies. And Count Dooku in, in Count Dooku. Count Dooku. Count Dooku, yeah. Count Dooku in the Star Wars films, the Star Wars prequels especially. <laughs> so, Christopher Lee, legendary actor, of course, easily well known. No, needs no introduction. Mr. Christopher Lee. Next up, we have a lot of uh, actors going which way and everywhere. I feel like I'm going to miss some, like, blinking and miss it big-name actors who, like, I'm just kind of, like, glossing over a little bit. But here we have Harvalyn Morris playing the character of Marla Bloodstone. Harvalyn Morris was also in the film Sixteen Candles in 1984. And she was in the film Home Alone 3 in 1997. Next up, we have Dick Miller playing the character of Murray Futterman from the reprising his role as Murray Futterman from Gremlins 1. Dick Miller was also in The Terminator. He was like the gun store clerk who gets shot by the Terminator first in the film. He was in The Terror in 1963, and he was in the film Small Soldiers in 1988, also directed by Joe Dante. And it was always in my head, Ken, that this is the same role. Like, Dick Miller just went on to <laughs> Gremlins 1, 2, and then he became a delivery driver in Small Soldiers. <laughs> Excellent movie. Next up, we have Jackie Joseph playing the character of Shelley Futterman. Um, uh, Jackie was also in the film, uh, uh, reprising her role as Shelley Futterman. She was also in Force Gremlins in 1984. Then we have G.D. Watanabe playing the character of Mr. Kaichuji, and, and he was also in the film Sixteen Candles in 1984. Then we have Key Luke reprising his role as Mr. Wing. Key Luke was also in the film The Green Hornet in 1940, and he was in the Charlie Fan the the Charlie Chan films in the in the 1930s, I believe 1936-37, I believe. Next up, we have Kathleen Freeman playing the character of Microwave Marge. <laughs> Great, just what a cast list! Tell him Large Marge sent you. <laughs> Tell him Microwave Marge sent you. <laughs> I love the Gremlins too. Their fear of the microwave too. They're <laughs> yeah, so mad. They know. They remember the microwave. <laughs> they have a vendetta. Um, Kathleen Freeman was also in the film The Blues Brothers in 1980, and The Nutty Professor in 1963. Then we have the characters Don. You got the actors Don Stanton and Dan Stanton playing the twins Martin and Lewis. Um, Don and Dan Stanton were both in the films uh, Terminator 2 as the cop that gets uh, gets killed by the T-1000 in the most cool way possible. Oh, at the vending machine, wasn't it? Yeah, the vending machine yeah. murder. Yeah, yeah, where they like they did a practical effect where they brought him and his twin together in that one little shot. So yep. absolutely insane um, work right there. And he was also in the film uh, Mom and Dad Save the World in 1992 and Looney Tunes Back in Action, too. So it's kind of... it's, it's Both a, of them or just... I believe it's both of them. I believe so. It could have been just one. I only have just one for each cast list here, but I might have to check to see if they're in both films. Hopefully they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rare to see you know um, adult twin actors making a film appearance. Really. So it's pretty cool here. And yeah, the characters were great in here, too. Martin Lewis were hilarious. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Jerry Goldsmith. Actually made a little cameo appearance as the yogurt customer <laughs> in the film. Um, Jerry Goldsmith, also, um, of course, best known as a music composer, and he was part of the music composition, the music composition for LA Confidential in 1997. Congo in 1985, and Star Trek First Contact, you know, the TNG film. Yeah. Then next up, we have Julia Sweeney playing the character of Peggy. Um, Julia Sweeney was also in the film Work in Progress 2 in 2019, just recently. Then we have Dean Norris, best known for his role in Breaking Bad as a uh, as a character in Breaking Bad, <laughs> forgot the character's name. <laughs> wow, it's good. Don Norris also he's plays the character of SWAT team leader, basically reprising his role as a SWAT team leader in Terminator Two <laughs> next year afterwards. 
So it's all one continuity. Gremlins and Terminator 2, same movie. <laughs> Next up, we have Henry Gibson playing the character of an employee fired for smoking there right at the end of the yeah. Henry Gibson, of course, also known for being in the film Nashville, 1975, The Long Goodbye in 1973, and Biodome in the mid-90s. Yeah, And, of course, we have Hulk Hogan from dun, dun, WWF dun, fame, dun, 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 dun. No Holds Bar in 1989. We have Hulk Hogan making a quick little guest appearance there. And, of course, we have Jeff Bergman playing the role, reprising his role of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck for the opening and ending scenes of the film. So, incredible cast there, too. And a bunch of little other actors take on little, like, blinking you miss it spots. But for the sake of brevity, we'll move on to the trivia section. Jimbo, take it from me. <laughs> so, Kyle, just when you thought it was safe... They, br- they bring you back in. They drag you back in. They bring you back in. They feed you and Of course, the, the film opens up with Gizmo now back at... The shop. Uh, the shop where uh, Billy's dad bought him from for Christmas the year before or whatever. But now... Um, a real estate tycoon. Right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, John Glover's character. Yes, yes. John Glover, uh, Clamp, I think is his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Clamp. taking over the city. Um, and, and they said Clamp's character was based off uh, Donald Trump uh, in New York, you know, uh, oh, in the building makes and all so that. makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he's wanted to buy this shop or whatever, and and the guy just won't, guy won't budge off of it. Um, basically, long story short, the guy ends up dying, and Gizmo basically runs for his life. He sees Billy on like TV or something. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's also impl- it's implied that the guys who were then there making that offer kind of poisoned him. That's what I was. TV. Yeah. That was the vibe I got. That they actually like they they like. Well, even when they leave, like, oh, I can outweigh him. He's an old man. He's away. And then he gets, like, like someone sprays him in the face, it looks like. And look, he, like, he got sick and got poisoned. And presumably, possibly died, which is yeah. very sad. So, basically, Gizmo makes his way into, uh, well, he, he's trying. He doesn't know where to go, but he's he gets to picked up the by, shop. like, the, yeah. the scientists for the clamps. Yeah, uh, by Don and Dan Stanton, Martin Lewis, one of the two. Yeah, they have they have a big old... Uh, a laboratory where they do all kinds of weird experiments in this building and uh it's just the movie just gets crazy from there and it just happens to be in the same building where billy is working at and phoebe cates is working at mm-hmm. um it just from there it just takes off because you know they don't abide by the rules of not getting them wet and all that and uh actually gizmo does escape you know we, you know and he's running for his life and um, he actually gets squirt with water, uh, hits yeah. Billy's painting and drips on him. And uh, next thing you know, here they all come. And boy, do these these have some characters. You got the the, the one called Daffy. That's just crazy. Um, I think one's called George. Uh, there's a book. They're in, it's in the trivia. But lo and behold, what happens is uh, they end up eating after midnight or whatever. And, and, you know, they hatch into the gremlins again. And poor Gizmo gets picked on. And Yeah. And I think right away it's very clear that, like, Gremlins 1 took more of a horror vibe with the creatures right. and kind of like kept them in some kind of manner of like believability. Gremlins 2 goes all the way cartoon in so many great ways immediately. Even the first, like as soon as Gizmo gets covered in water and makes little clones themselves, those like little clones are immediately so much more animated with crazy eyes, buck teeth, and other aspects that make them more like um, uh, 
Yeah, uh, uh, goofy. Yeah, blown out of proportion, basically like that. But yeah, there was so much more goofy and zany and more cartoonish in a way that I really appreciate. And it's, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it throws you for a loop too because I guess like people were walking in this film expecting a sequel to Gremlins two being like further and grittier in the horror idea, and this time it's like no, there's some practical effects that are well, like, out there. But that's it. This do is you remember cartoon, in this you know? movie the scene where um, you know? Well, we'll get there. I, I, it's mm. in the notes. I don't want to go ahead and say it. Yeah. But basically, so Billy and you know, the whole building is under actually, you know, attack. You know, just for, so we can set this all up, I should actually read the plot summary real quick because I skipped over that. Well, there you go, That's Kyle. right, Jim. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm trying to do your job. Yeah, that's right. Trying to do my job. Okay, I'm going to read the plot summary from the IMDb right here. Um, right here. I, I, I almost read the next movie by accident. <laughs> Boy, that has been very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Having survived the destructive Kingston, Kingston Falls incident in Gremlins 1, Billy and Kate moved to New York City, eager to wipe the slate clean and start afresh. Instead, orphaned Mogwai Gizmo catches the eye of the evil scientist Dr. Catheter and muddy-grubbing tech mogul Daniel Clamp's colossal high-rise. And once more, a splash of water spawns hordes of mischievous gremlins. As a result, the pesky little creatures start doing what they do best, wreaking <laughs> havoc! But the rules are simple. Now the city is about to taste a hearty slice of pure pandemonium. Do they have what it takes to escape the nightmare of the new batch? There we go. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. And now. boy, does this set up some stuff. So let's talk about some of this trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, director Joe Dante told uh, Cahiers de Cinema in 1990 that Warner Brothers opened this movie directly opposite of Dick Tracy in an attempt to keep the box office record set by Batman from being broken. Oh, those dirty, dirty dogs. Dick Tracy was a great movie, too. Dick Tracy is a great movie. We should, that's out of the list. <laughs> have we already done? I don't remember. I, I know, we'll I, know I haven't. Um, well, that's funny. You haven't done half the ones I've been sitting here with you. <laughs> I'm not even doing this one right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, after Gremlins became such a success, it's actually a surprise success, Warner Brothers immediately wanted a sequel. But director Joe Dante had had enough Gremlins for a while and declined. Work on this movie proceeded without him, and the studio approached various directors and writers. Storylines considered, including the following, sending the gremlins to cities like Las Vegas (laughs) or even the planet Mars. After these ideals fell through, the studio finally asked Dante again, who agreed on the condition that he be allowed to do anything that he wanted. He also received a bigger budget. In the DVD commentaries for Gremlins 1984 and this movie, Dante stated that he felt that this movie was a case of waiting too long to capitalize on the success of Gremlins, uh, which hurt the movie's chances of success. That too, and he made like and Gremlins too is like an anti sequel in so many ways too. I know. It reminds me of like um, uh, uh, the difference between 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street that made fun of the idea of trying to do the sequel. We're gonna do the same thing again, but different. <laughs> <laughs> And Gremlins 2 is making fun of that as well, just like like making fun of all the rules and like that. Like, well, if you eat in a time zone difference, and you're me after the night. Are you ready to forgive this, Kyle? Mm-hmm. You will appreciate this. In the original script, yes, Randall Peltzer was to return after the Gremlins were killed at the end and give to Gizmo his newest invention. A wetsuit-like thing that would prevent Gizmo from ever getting wet again. Therefore, preventing any sort of gremlin problem in the future, provided that it never ate after midnight. 
Uh, the scene was all shut to shoot, and Hoyt Axton was available to shoot the scene, but the filmmakers figured that the movie was already running too long, and they never used the scene anyway, so it was never shot. Oh, man, that's sad. I would have loved to have seen that little scene. That would have been great. Also, I would have seen like, what this gizmo wetsuit looked like. I want to know what that looked like. It's kind of like the Mandalorian Grogu, you know? You Grogu you have the exactly. full, full Mando. Exactly. And I still, still maintain my opinion to this day. We would not have gotten Baby Yoda Grogu if we hadn't have gotten Gremlins. I anymore. got it, Kyle. For Gremlins 3... Goes to Star Wars. That'd be great. Gizmo 007. Can you imagine Gizmo all the gadgets he could oh have? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> it's just, it's like Team Miracle Police, but it's, it's Gremlins. <laughs> okay, um, Jimbo, one more fun fact here because we covered it last, the last time we did Gremlins 1. Gremlins 1 only had a budget of $11 million. And how much did they have this time? $50 million. So yeah. nearly a five times increase of budget. That would have been roughly about you know, $22 million. Well, we million probably got, today. what, 20% more Gremlins? 40% more Gremlins in this movie? Oh more. no! Easily like two hundred percent more films. I mean, for the for the for the whole the right. the, the the whole uh, center room thing if I, uh, or alone the whole what's the what's the entrance room? What's that called? What's like the, the foyer? The foyer for the high rise, the big building. Yeah, the guest opening. Okay, whatever. <laughs> the foyer, sure. It's not the word I want, but I know I know I have to go through it. Uh, well, this movie made its debut on home video. Do you remember in this the movie? lobby, the opening lobby? Yes. That's what I mean. Do you remember? Do you remember? Um, while they were shooting this film, halfway through it, it start, looks like the film's melting, and, and you mm. see the gremlins start doing shadow puppets yeah. on the theater, and you see Hulk Hogan, you know, they go down, they get Hulk Hogan, and he goes, hey, gremlins, you know, stop, knock it off, or whatever. Well, what was different is they actually changed it for the um, the home video release, where it looked like your VCRs was breaking. Oh, man. And it wasn't Hulk Hogan this time. This time it was John Wayne. In footage from Chisholm forcing the Gremlins into continuing the movie. Although the voice impersonation was needed since Wayne had been dead since 1979, Wayne's son, Michael Wayne, recommended Chad Everett for the voice. Notably, a clip from Falling Hair featuring Bugs Bunny and a different cartoon Gremlin appear in this version. That is awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. If they ever did a Gremlins 3, just do the exact same joke again, but get, like, another random huge name celebrity. It's like, like, like Tom Cruise comes to, Hey, <laughs> movies are sacred. <laughs> Steven Spielberg comes out and talks about it. Hey, you Gremlins. Hey, guys, we talked about this. Steven this. Spielberg would be great, Ashley. Steven Spielberg would be the perfect one. <laughs> George Lucas comes yeah. out. Hey, wax finger. <laughs> Uh, the uplifting end of the world video scene was in, and included by the filmmakers when they found out that one of the news networks actually had such a video prepared to run in case of the end of the world. CNN has a video for this purpose in its archive, and its staffs are instructed to, quote, hold the video for release until the end of the world is confirmed. Until <laughs> it's confirmed. So if it's the end of the world, who's yeah. going to be there to play it, right? Exactly, exactly. That's great. Of course, AI will be running things. I think you can pull that up on YouTube now. I believe you actually can't. The end of the world video, which is always it's very strange to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, I feel fine. In the, the scene where Mohawk drinks a potion when it enables him to change it to a sentinoid spider, the pulsating sound effect from the movie Tarantula can be heard. Also, the effect was originally recorded uh, for the Martian war machines in the War of the Worlds. The heavy metal song that plays in the background is one of the guitar solos from the band Slayer's 1986 song, Angel of Death. Awesome. Kyle, did you notice the Wilhelm scream in this? Yes, I did. Which one was it? Uh, it was a second draft, was it? A what? Wasn't the second one? Second what? The Wilhelm scream? Oh, where, where it appeared? Yeah. Oh. Um, was it during the lab scene? Well, it's where a victim was covered in gremlins and he falls off the ledge. 
Okay, maybe I don't remember it now. Okay, <laughs> moving on. I have to watch it again, Kyle. Uh, uh, clamps, automatic office doors opening and closing are the same sound of the doors of the USS Enterprise NCC-1701 from Star Trek, the original series. Awesome. Uh, Robert Picardo controlled Greta, the female gremlin, when it was attached to him instead of the puppeteers because the puppet had so much contact and movement with his character. This technique is also used in the scene where uh, John Glover pushes the gremlin into the paper shredder. <laughs> So he's basically kissing himself with a hand puppet basically every single time Robert Carr is doing that. That's hilarious. And just as it's just in just his like the fact that he just he lost all will at the end of the yeah, movie. He's, he's like, like whatever. Fine, whatever. I'm in love with a gremlin now. That's my life, apparently. Just, he just gave up. Yeah, you can get a half day off after we're back up and running. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, the opening aerial shot of New York City was actually stock footage from Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. What? That's cool. In a deleted scene, the gremlins release all of the animals in the Spliceo Life Lab. During the filming of this scene, though, the monkeys in the lab set were genuinely so terrified of the gremlin puppets that they refused to leave their cages when their trainers called for them. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I ain't going out there. I, it, I, like, if you had a gremlin statue in the room, I'd feel uncomfortable with it, probably. <laughs> Gremlins are terrifying. They do. The mother scolding the theater manager uh, regarding the movie's inappropriate tone for children was uh, based partly in fact. During a screening of Gremlins, the original, director Joe Dante really was severely criticized by a mother who walked out of the theater with her daughter during the infamous kitchen massacre sequence. The daughter begged to be led back into the theater, got free from the mother... And hid in the theater to watch the rest of the movie. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh man. This this is oh man, this is the kids' movie in the best way possible. And like the same way like the Goonies is into me. Where it's just like it's got the, like the most crass, dumb humor ever, but it's like in a way that a kid loves. Oh yeah. <laughs> in a way that adult like it is it is perfectly it's perfectly built for like this is supposed to be objectionable for parents. This is the this is the parents don't what you watching kids and you go watch it and you have a fun time. <laughs> it's totally in that wheelhouse and I love it for it. Uh, Gizmo refers to Mr. Wing as Key Luke, which, of course, is the actor's real name. In the cartoon intro, Daffy Duck says to Bugs, 50 years of you hogging the spotlight is enough. This movie was released the year of Bugs Bunny's 50th anniversary. Awesome. Or birthday, sorry. Birthday. Awesome recognition there. Uh, when Kate arrives to Billy's office looking for Gizmo, she finds a Mwagai Mo- Daffy on the top of the Clamp Tower model playing with some airplane toys located over him. This is a homage to the King classic Kong. movie King Kong. In a corridor of the Clamp Tower, one nameplate says Vector Scope Labs. This is a reference to the movie Inner Space, also directed by Joe Dante. Another great movie. Leonard Maltin, uh, the famous uh, film critic, appears as himself repeating his criticisms of Gremlins, the first movie, while he holds a video version of the movie. However, his reign is cut short when Gremlins pounce on him as a result. (laughs) In his annual movie guide, he gave this movie three stars out of possible four and refers to this scene as a gratuitous cameo, though he doesn't say he's actually in the movie. That's fantastic. <laughs> this oh, movie's I everywhere. It. I love it. Yeah, and getting the actual film critic to like, you know, lampoon himself is some of the funniest stuff ever, actually. Right. <laughs> in a deleted scene, Dr. Catheter examines a bat injected with a sunblock solution. He then says to Wally, I'm told they sometimes feed on blood. This was a reference to Lee's performance as none other than Count Dracula in the Hammer film productions of the Gosh. horror movies. Which really is perfect in this film. Talk about shotguns yeah. and everything like that, too. Like, I, I want a bubonic plague. 
Where's the flu? <laughs> oh my gosh, going to take a nap yet. Oh, the tissue. Um, at one so point good. in this movie, director Joe Dante attempted to evolve his audience in the story by making it seem as if the Gremlins had taken over whatever theater in which this movie would be screened. This sequence was inspired by a similar stunt in William Castle's The Tingler. During his DVD commentary for this movie, Dante recalled Warner Brothers wanted the sequence cut as they were concerned that the audience would believe that the film actually had malfunction. Test screening ultimately proved otherwise. However, the video version caused problems. Instead of film-breaking effects, the scene looked like a VHS malfunction. Many rental copies were returned as a result of this, and video mastering houses called the filmmakers to ask them if this was an intentional. Oh, boy. I just wanted to put like a warning label on the box at that point. Blockbuster video has to put like a warning label for the Gremlins, too, probably. Yeah. Oh, it was a pain in the butt for a lot of them. Oh, man, that sucks. Uh, several of the Gremlins hiccuping are archive recordings of Mel Blanc's hiccups from various Looney Tunes shorts. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, here you go. Considered for the voice of the brain gremlin, none other than Tim Curry. He would have been fantastic. I can I can hear it. Like I know right. it, 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 it costs nothing for me to imagine it perfectly. Right. Like I know exactly how that would sound. It would sound great. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, the character of Grandpa Fred was based on Al Lewis's character, uh, the Grandpa Munster from the Munsters in the 1980s. Grandpa Munster Al Lewis actually hosted a show on TBS called Super Scary Saturday where he would show old monster movies just as Fred does in this movie. That's fantastic. Uh, the movie that the Gremlins, George and Lenny are watching in the Systems Control Center is The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Uh, the filmmaker chose John Rambo as the character that Gizmo was going to imitate in this movie. Sylvester Stallone gave his permission to use it. That's fantastic. I love like the yeah the uh, the, the bow and arrow he makes. Uh, the paper clip and a rubber band. <laughs> paper rubber band. Perfect. <laughs> he kills him with it too. He just gets the flame. Oh my god! He gets the best kill in the whole movie. <laughs> Killing the tyrannical gremlin. Oh my gosh! Uh, unlike the PG rated predecessor, the Motion Picture Association of America rated this movie PG thirteen. Gremlins is one of the movies that helped to create the PG-13 rating as it was too violent to be PJ, but not violent enough for an R rating. Um, here's a bunch of cameos. Uh, Joe Dante, who's the director of The Grandpa Fred Show, also the voice of Microwave Marge's director. Uh, cameo of Charles S. Haas, the screenwriter, as Casper, Dr. Catheter's assistant. Uh, you talked about the Jerry Goldsmith one already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Gibson, uh, as the employee fired by Foster for taking an unauthorized break, which you talked about. Too. Yep. Um, you had uh, Bubba Smith, uh, the legendary football player, as himself trying to save Dick Buckus, who was attacked at the salad bar. That's, that's <laughs> funny. That's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, this is actually ranked number 33 in Empire's Magazine in 2009 as uh, number 33 of the 50 greatest ever movie sequels. That makes I think yeah I think that's perfectly warranted. This one was arguably better than Gremlins one in some respects, and I really appreciate that. Oh, random question for you, Jimbo: If they made a Gremlins three, would you want it, what, what rating would you want it to have? A PG thirteen R rated or a well, PG well, rating? okay. Here's here's what I think. I would like to see Gremlins three as a truly uh, horror movie, a like true horror like, movie? like scary Gremlins. We've had the 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 kind of crazy scary first one mm-hmm. toned down. This one was goofy and all that. Uh, let's just go straight for a horror movie with blood, guts, limbs tearing, all that, and just see how it goes. A whole lot of practical effects there, and just right. actually make the, you know, like a $50 million movie today just full of... If they don't go that route, then make it just as crazy as you can, worse than Gremlins 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what Just I mean? make every Gremlins, like... But, like I, but I'd like to see yeah. a genuine scary movie. I think it could work. I think a genuine scary... I also like the idea of, like... Yeah, I'm trying to think of a horror movie that does go full blood-tastic in so many ways and so much gore. 
Um, uh, maybe Terrifier would be up there, I would say. Yeah, yeah Terrifier probably Terrifier. But I don't yeah. want to go that far. Yeah, not know? necessarily that far, but I would love the idea of like trying to do a Gremlins 3 and trying to top the Kitchen Master scene in terms of brutality, and I think that'd be really kind of interesting. <laughs> like, or like an industrial kitchen, like put, you put Gremlin in a deep fryer, some crazy like that. <laughs> Or see him like at a Thanksgiving dinner, pull it out, and it's got like the gremlin with an apple in his mouth or something, you know, set it oh, on the yeah. table or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. As the. <laughs> you just got the visual, <laughs> didn't you? No, I just got the idea of just. It's gremlins in Europe. It's just. It's gremlins versus like a soccer hooligans. <laughs> <laughs> gremlins versus the Nazis. Is that what you want to go with? <laughs> gremlins in World War II. That'd be great. Uh, as the bat gremlin crashes through the wall, escaping into the city, it leaves a hole in the shape of the Batman symbol. In 1989, the year before this film's release, Warner Brothers had a huge box office hit with Batman. John Glover did do the voice of Edward Nygma um, in, uh, as the Riddler in the Batman anime, anime series. series. Right. I just had a great a great crossover picture, if you will. Gremlins, Batman versus Critters. Oh, Gremlins versus Critters. I never watched the Critters movies, so I don't Oh, know. my goodness. I know, I know. Shame. Shame on me. You need to get Not those. watching the Critters movies. No, but it would be pretty funny. Mm. Oh, wow. Mohawk was a recreation of Stripe from Gremlins in 1984 and was actually voiced by the same actor. I believe Stripe was a character they were going to add to, if they didn't already, I believe uh, the, the multiverses fighting game, that free-to-play fighting game with Warner characters. They were actually going to add Stripe oh, no. from Gremlins in that game. Yeah. Uh, of course, we had the cameo of the uh, legendary Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about Leonard Martin already. Uh, the face of one of the Gremlins, the one who turns on the microwave during the cooking segment, was modeled after the Kraken from Clash of the Titans in 1981. That's awesome. I had no idea. That's really cool. Uh, when Gizmo first sees the janitor, John Aston, he says, Gomez, referring to the Adams Family character made famous by Aston. That's fantastic. Yes. Uh, by the time this movie's theatrical release in June of 1990, despite wearing the WWF Championship belt in his brief cameo, Hulk Hogan was no longer the reigning champion. <laughs> that, that's that, that's how every media that doesn't directly WWF always ends up. Like, every video game comes out and like the entire roster's messed up every single time. <laughs> Any movie has oh, to do the same thing. Of course you're not champion when the movie comes out. It always happens. Uh, there's the famous dancing scene of Gizmo where he sings to, uh, or dances to I'm Ready by Fats Domino. But it was originally supposed to feature Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol. That would have been funny. Great, too. Yeah, the filmmakers weren't able to get permission to use the Idol song, so they found another song with the same beat. I want to see a fan cut of that film right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chris uh, Columbus was unavailable to write the script due to him directing um, Home Alone. I mean, that worked out for him, okay? Yeah, it worked out for him. (laughs) Right. Uh, made the right choice. <laughs> the scene with the organ playing Phantom Gremlin is unmasked as an exact replica of the scene from the Phantom of the Opera in 1925. That was funny. Impressive. Uh, and you already talked about the Twin Brothers and Terminator, so I can skip that one. Um, this is great, and I'll probably put it on the Facebook feed when we release it, but the Brain Gremlin was actually interviewed about the movie by Ross King in the Saturday morning show 815 from Manchester, and you can find that on YouTube. Me and, me and Kyle just watched it. It was it very is funny. hilarious. Delectable. Uh, when one of the gremlins has Billy tied to the dentist chair and is about to drill and torture him, the gremlin says to Billy, is it safe? This is a homage, homage to the movie Marathon Man, where Dustin Hoffman's character suffers the same fate as Billy. Oh, man. I've never... I don't think I've watched... Oh, Marathon Man is Arnold Schwarzenegger? That's no, Running that's, Man. That's the Running Man. I've not watched Marathon Man. I've never watched it. Okay, so I don't know. I don't uh, know. George's face is modeled after Edward G. Robinson, while his name and behavior are referenced to George from Of Mice and Men. 
Official merchandise for the film has revealed that the other Mowgli gremlins are named Daffy, the hyperactive one, George, the grumpy big-lipped one, Lenny, the buck-toothed dopey one, a.k.a. Kyle, and Mohawk, <laughs> the one that becomes the spider gremlin. Um, at one point, get this, Kyle, there was going to be an elephant gremlin, but the idea was dropped. That no. <laughs> it's just... She's a regular gremlin, but totally larger, and he has a trunk nose, and that's all. That's the only. That's all you get the gremlin there. Surprised that the gargoyle one didn't get a name. Yeah. Uh, the letter being shredded by Clamp's secretary is from the vice president of the United States, thanking Clamp for a contribution. Uh, look closely, as you can see, that Clamp's corner office is so high it's above the clouds. <laughs> and last but not least, when Key Luke, who played Mister Wing, realized that his character was to die in this movie, he said, "Remember." In Gremlins 3, I'm a flashback. <laughs> Little did he know about the AI that we would soon have that exactly. we could bring the back DH to DH Key Luke. Digital so, Key Kyle, Luke. what's your thoughts, feelings, rants on Gremlins This two. film is incredible. I think it's one of the one of the first and best the ideas of like a uh, of a sequel that makes fun of the idea of sequels in a way i think this is a lot of the um the frameworks mean a film like jump 22 street not 22 drum street is kind of based off in many ways where it's like hey, let's make fun of the idea of making a sequel to a movie um that doesn't ever need a sequel because Grimm's one is really really good but Grimm's two also really good for making fun of it in the best way possible so i love it on that level for being as meta as it is um in terms of so many films weren't being that way um i also think it's Gosh, you, like no clear political message to give here, but I think it's interesting that like you have like um, like mid to late eighties, a lot of films around businessmen are like afraid of Japanese businessmen taking over America, and this film right at nineteen ninety has a Donald Trump type literally uh, destroying Chinatown in the film, and that's actually the new fear basically like that. And uh, oh my gosh, and the idea of like his giant logo is literally him putting a vice clamp on the planet and squeezing it dry. <laughs> it's like couldn't be on the more of the nose of like yeah, I think this guy's evil. <laughs> He turned out to be a good guy. I think yeah, that's right. right. We're like utterly sincere and wanting to do the right thing, even though he clearly is messing with a lot of people's lives. Right, like a ter- like terrible in process, but like you know, the all in good intentions rub the hell. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty funny too. And uh, once again, we would have loved to have seen a sequel of just him trying to take over uh, uh, the town of uh, Kingston. I think it would have been hilarious to try to take over Kingston Falls and like how Gremlins Three would end up that way. I'm sure. Um, but um, yeah, overall, like my thoughts on the film. This film's a, an eight out of ten for me. I think it's an excellent film, um, a worthy sequel of Gremlins One, and an even more kid-friendly version that I appreciate anymore. I think I think Gremlins is a, is a kid's brand at the end of the day, and I really appreciate that. So overall, this film is good for me. Yeah, it's Jim, hard. Yeah. It's hard to find a sequel that's fun and goofy and just has fun. Um, a lot of sequels they either try too hard. I think probably the best sequel of all time is probably Superman Two. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to argue against that. Maybe the two towers, um, I could make a, a, a case for. I mean, Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. Yeah, right. Um, um, you know, but but as far but all those are are different. It's you know, yeah, they're well, they're classics. Yeah, this is just yeah fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's interesting. Like like it, like those films also like they did the work to justify themselves being a sequel in a really good way this is a film that went the other way of like I'm not going to do anything to justify myself being a sequel I'm just a sequel that's right. the day and I'm, I'm going to make fun of the idea of doing a sequel and that's what makes it different stand out more than like Empire Strikes Back or the other like you know Two Towers those sequels that actually did all the work they needed to justify themselves being out there this film skipped all of that just said 
eh, whatever. We're making a sequel. It's going to be fun. We're going to be goofy. And they went for it in a way well, I really appreciate. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't think this film won any awards, right? No, no. It got nominations. No, no right, wins, though. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is what it is. It's it's just a movie that's fun. It's it's a lot of fan service. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of the people of the era in there. You had Hulk Hogan, Leonard Moulton, you know, uh, yeah. all, the, all those other people in there. And it's a tribute to the entire legacy of Warner Brothers, which is uh, both... Uh, 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 bittersweet in a way because like on one hand this one pays tribute to so many things in Warner Brothers right now but in Warner Brothers right now is destroying all the legacy which right. is really sad well, um, but what I like about this is uh, they did they, they upped their ante by you know in Gremlins 1 they just had uh, Stripe mm-hmm. uh, that's as the main antagonist as, really Spike, Stripe, whatever yeah. as the main antagonist this one they actually gave you different ones they gave you the, you know, the Phantom of the Opera one the, the Gargoyle one they gave you the brain that could talk. Yeah. They gave you, you know, the, even the Mual guy. They, were, they made gremlins a threat, not just Stripe being a threat. Right. They really made them all powerful. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, uh, for me, it's it's probably a, a seven out of ten. I'd say uh, just for fun. It's it's if you don't want to have to think about anything and just, I mean, look at the cast: Christopher Lee, Robert Picardo. You mm-hmm. know, all these people. Yeah. Um, great movie, and they brought back some of the original cast, which even made it even better. So. And everyone's clearly having a lot of good-hearted fun. I mean, this is film is incredibly comfortable in what it is. Right. It knows exactly what it is, and I really appreciate that. I bit. bet it would be fun to be on the set of this, too. I, I, I bet it was a blast. Yeah. I bet it was a blast. So, I mean, some tough days, sure, but I bet it was a blast. If you time. haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend it. Just, just for, And it's something you can watch with your kids. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but, I even... It's even funny when Phoebe Cates' character, I can't remember her name. Oh, uh, mentions Abraham Lincoln Day or something? No, no. Oh. When, when when she comes there and the, there's the one in the trench coat and he flashes her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she kicks him right in between, right, the, right legs. between the legs. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they all have like their own little... Um, it kind of reminds me of multiplicity. Like the more that they make of him, the dumber they get. So it's yeah. like the more Gizmo gets wet, the stupider they get. You know, there's Fantastic. always the good one, yeah. you know, the, the really, really bad one. Then they all just kind of get dumber and dumber, dumber, dumber. as they yeah, go yeah. down. So I don't know. Yeah. But um, I think, you know, we, we've rambled on along about this. If you'd like to follow us on the social medias, we are the Tragedy Cinema Podcast on Facebook. Um, you can join us there. If you want to email us, thetragedycinema at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a review oh. on Apple or we have Spotify, a review, actually, oh, all right. we're going to do that on the next one though because oh, okay. that would be tied to the first one. Okay, I understand. Because next week we will be doing Weekend at Bernie's, Bernie's Two. I love it because Kyle made me watch it, so it's going to be fun. So, um, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap and cut. <laughs>